We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. come across as a tech bro but here's my elevator pitch uber but for people who will let you bite their nails off while you watch your team in the final group game of the world cup this is the arsenal vision world cup daily my name is alex smith the botman twitter yankee gunner yeah like like you you get on the app and they have pictures of their fingernails and you can like pick the ones you want and then they come to your house and while you watch the world cup you bite their fingernails off first of all gross really gross we live in a post-pandemic era and no one's gonna go for that second of all like I believe in bootstrapping. I believe in rugged individualism. Bite your own nails off. Come on, you can do it. I know I did. The USA have progressed to the knockout rounds, um, as have England, breezing their way past Wales, as have Senegal um, in what was a thrilling game. We're going to discuss all that and more and some of the permutations coming up. And we're going to do it with Phil Costa, who you can find on Twitter at Phil Costa, at underscore Phil Costa. Hello, Phil Costa. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Elliot. Are all your really organs all in, in one place again? Heart rate back down to normal? I, I would like to uh, get on the telephone with Christian Pulisic and decide whose organs are in less of the right place right now, his mm. around his stomach or mine around my stomach. Uh, yeah, it was nervy. And it's funny because like, I don't count myself as someone who cares too much about international football. The World Cup will get you excited, whether you do or not. But I'm not like the most intense. I'm not the most intense uh, about international football just really at any given moment. But I found myself pretty wrapped up in the in the end of this. And I think it also tells me something about elevated expectations of this group and the talent that's in this group and what I expect from them. Because once upon a time, really anything the U.S. did in an international tournament, I was like, well, that's a nice little bonus. It doesn't feel that way right now. And we can certainly come on to that. But I think more importantly, talking about surviving and advancing, you survived and advanced past the episode you did solo with with Paul. How was it? Um, I sought out uh, some comfort afterwards. Um mm. I just needed to kind of rock in a corner for a, a little while, you know, just needed some space. Was it, was but, it know, purely it was, because of the amount of discussion about <laughs> lovemaking and trying to provide advice on, on lovemaking it, it, or was it everything? It felt like, uh, you know, your, your drunk uncle at Christmas, 
<laughs> trying to give you some advice. <laughs> well, well, you but. got through it. I, I want to tell you that I found it quite entertaining. So there you go. Um, an, en- an enjoyable one for me from the sidelines. Apologies for leaving you hanging there, but I'm here now. Let's let's just do this. Let's uh, let me be a homer. Let me lean into the fact that I am hosting and I I am American. So USA one Iran nil. I know you couldn't really watch this because you had to be captivated by the triviality that was England's three nil victory over Wales, and we can get into the Marcus Rashford aspect of that momentarily. But it's it's obviously massive for the USA for for a nation that did not qualify in the previous cycle for the World Cup, which was the nadir of the program really over multiple decades. This The talent in this group, while young, I think demanded getting out of this group. The way the second half played out against Wales was frustrating. The way the game against England went, I think, led to a lot of, uh, I'd say, renewal of expectations and optimism. But if you went into this tournament saying, you've got Iran in the final game, you have to win to go through, Americans would have taken it. It had to happen. It did happen. What are your sort of high-level thoughts on the USA getting out of the group and doing it in the manner they did? I think you've done a really good job. Um, I mean, I, I know I've, I've spoken to you and, and to some other USMNT fans, and there's you know quite a lot of ill feeling towards Berhalter. And in a way, I get it because I've seen you, you know... Um, you know, there's been a level of inconsistency in how you've played and a, and a little bit of uncertainty, maybe a little bit of cowardice as well at, at times. So. But I mm-hmm. I just think, you know, I don't want to sound rude here, but I, I, what are the expectations? You know, uh, it's, it's, it's an honest question. Like, what, what do you guys expect from this team? So, I, I mean, just really quickly to, to, to make this clear, because I think I said this in my intro, right? Like, I think what I expect is that the good players are on the pitch being given a platform to do what I think is well within their skill set. And you look at Musa and Adams and McKinney and Pulisic, um, you know, and I, I think Ser- Serginho Dest and, and Robinson to some extent, there's a lot of talent there, a lot of athleticism. Sure, there's no true number nine. I don't think Josh Sargent was great in this game. I don't think he's a great player in particular. Um, Haji, Haji Wright had a a cameo that we will definitely be talking about momentarily. One of the least uh, situationally aware plays in the history of of international football that I can remember Um, up there was Zimmerman's tackle in the Wales game. But like, yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, the the thing that I think gets to me and gets me with Burhalter, not to to bang on about this. I want to like lean into the excitement. We're through, we're into the knockout rounds. We're going up against Louis van Gaal's Netherlands and he's going to keep any team in a game. So we'll be in that game. I would think, but like, it reminded me of Wales. You see the U.S. playing through the thirds. You see the U.S. creating openings. It wasn't always clean. It was a little sloppy, probably a little nervy, but there were openings to be had there. And as Iran started to come out, there were chances there was a three-on-one or three-on-two that the U.S. absolutely botched. I think it was late in the first half. I don't think it was in the second half. I think it was late in the first half um, that wound up with, was it Weya not even getting a shot off? Um just really yeah, yeah, poor. Yeah. But there were going to be moments like that. And instead, I think what we did, and I've seen this with Arsenal. You've, if you've listened to me on the Arsenal Vision pod, you know my thing about this. When you say to a team, especially a less talented team, have the ball, have the shots, push us back, come into the game. 
you level the playing field, especially a USA team that has less defensive talent than it has attacking talent. And so you say, we're going to take the ball out of, off the feet of the players that the USA has that can be difference makers. We're not going to give Iran something to think about going the other way. We're not going to give ourselves a chance to just put the game to bed, and we're going to leave it to variance. We're going to play Unai Emery football. We're going to hope the penalty call doesn't go against us, hope a weird bounce in the box doesn't go against us. And I just think that you can look at the outcome and say, well, it worked. We're through, and I absolutely can do that. And I'm thrilled. And and you know, you we're going to go through this coach uh, through this tournament with this coach. So it's time to get on board with him. I get it. But I w- I would have liked to seen an approach that reflected the idea that we have the greater attacking talent, and that if we we stuck to that plan, two nil was something we could have gotten to, and and made this a little less nervy at the end. And maybe I'm just mad because my nerves are jangling, and I didn't want to be in that situation at the end. Ultimately, we progressed. I I. You know, I don't have enough of a sample size with Bearhalter like like you and many others do. But do you not just think? I mean, looking at today as an isolated incident, do you not just consider that game state and Iran maybe going in at halftime and getting a boot up the ass and saying, "Look, mm-hmm. this is a World maybe. Cup. You've got forty five minutes to get back into the game." Um. But, but I mean, it was very first, redolent the to the Wales was, game, right? I mean, we, we've yeah, just absolutely. seen this two games ago, so there's something to this. <laughs> but but this is this is a World Cup, you know. It's you know people go in at the at halftime; they can make some changes. And I, you know, I I I'm a huge fan of the the US midfield. I've I've said it three or four times already on this podcast, but it's a young one, and this is their first World Cup together. You know, I I, I just don't think you can expect them to play 90 minutes with with a level of authority that not even Brazil have been able to do yet or not even Spain have not even been able to do yet. I just mm. think there's a lot at stake. It's a young team, one that's played very well in parts but had to suffer in, in moments. But I, I just think in the group stages when everyone's fighting for every kick, every throw it's it's kind of inevitable that it's going to be a bit of back and forth i don't know but I, I guess some some recency bias and your nerves maybe dictate otherwise Pro- probably right and look i think the back and forth point is fair i just don't think it was particularly back and forth i think it was sort of just back <laughs> um and look the the first sub uh, non-injury enforced is kellen acosta for weston mckinney and i think that right there sort of tells you and i think mckinney was gassed a little bit and you never know what the reasoning behind that sub is, but I think that tells you a little bit of what we have, we hold. It, it invited a little bit more pressure on the U.S. Um, and and obviously, that, that I think, started to set the tone of, of what was going to happen for the rest of the match. The other, the other subs, it is what it is. In the 82nd minute, when you go Walker Zimmerman for Timothy Weah, fine, you're going to five at the back. And I think he sort of saved the game, honestly, at that point, because it was starting to look a little bit ropey at the back. So I... It, Maybe and maybe it's the players. The the you're right. The occasion catches up with you. Um, there was a lot of hero ball in this game at times. I think the USA did a nice job in a lot of things, but there were a lot of moments where one guy tried to beat an extra man too many times. You know, beat a man, beat him again. I think the USA sometimes could benefit to do the simple thing, like the things we did so well against England. One touch through the midfield, right? Like just those triangles, A to B to C, and you're through and you're and you're away against this. Iran team, I think there was more, a little bit more hero ball, a little bit more of way of trying to push and run past players or, you know, maybe trying to take on the extra man, beat a man twice, some of that kind of stuff. The the goal, let's talk about the goal, though. It is 
it is a beautifully executed moment. There were so many moments in this game where I felt like the USA just didn't execute in the last moment, you know, and, and some of that's down to quality. I, I, I confess, but like, this was a nice ball from McKinney over the top to Dest, who made a nice run. I think the header from Dest is phenomenal. In that moment, you know, there's so many things you can you can snatch at it, you can head it straight down, you can get it wrong. It's the perfect header into the a spot where only Pulisic can get there. And Pulisic makes a brilliant run, and he's brave. He obviously gets very hurt. We'll have to see if he's even available for the Netherlands game. But what do you think of the goal itself? It's a brilliant goal. And who does it start with? Matty Turner. Yeah, Matty, a great uh, bit of distribution from Matt Turner. A brilliant a man piece of distribution. And splits the lines right up the middle, yep. You know, it's really, really good. And Timothy Weyer actually does brilliantly well to keep it under control as well. And then the move gets going from there. And I think, you know, we've spoken about it under Bearholter. The fullbacks are very advanced. And Serginho Des today was, uh, you know, a, a right winger. You know, mm-hmm. where was was coming in field when, that's whenever where the space possible. was. That that's where exactly. The space was. Yeah. Um, and and who was there ghosting in at the back post? It's it's Serginho Dest. So it, it's a move where the coach can kind of sit back and take some satisfaction because that is what they would have been practicing. That is technical execution. That's positional execution. It's a finish. It's just brilliant from back to front. And I think at that moment, it was it was entirely deserved. And I think you were, you know, centimeters away from going in 2-0 up at halftime. I mean, that, you know, that goal from Weyer was another beautiful finish from him and another really piece of intelligent movement. But he, he oh, it was, it was so close. And actually, it took a few replays to get to that conclusion as well. Um, yeah, because yeah, they didn't from, show from it until eyes. after they called half, blew up for halftime. So I was like, yeah, "Here yeah, we go, yeah. FIFA. Here we go." But they mm-hmm. sh- they did show the three D side, you know, computer mm-hmm. generated mannequin view, and he did look offside. Yeah, he was just off. But I thought you were again. It's been a it's been a trend really good in the first half. I thought you you were you know Iran didn't get a kick. They didn't even have a shot on target. You know, or any shots. No, you no know, shots. Z- no z- shots at 0. all. Zero zero yeah. xg. So yeah. you know that was dominance. Total dominance. Yeah, and and you can't be anything but happy with the way the first half was played, and I think that's why the contrast for me maybe is because when I see a team that we shut out with no shots, when I look at you know possession stats that were like 60-plus percent, and I look at the openings we were creating, especially late in the half, like that counterattack, I thought we're going to rip them in the second half. They're going to come out a little more, and these, you know, Musa and... and um, McKinney and well, Pulisic didn't come out, but even Aronson and way they're just gonna they're just gonna find the space. It's gonna be too much. We're gonna overwhelm them. So I think maybe it was my. You said, what are your expectations? I think my expectations were that I saw the game opening up in our favor in a very big way, and as a result, then being putting being put on the rack for the last fifteen minutes or so was something I could have done without. Um, what can you say about Musa? By the way, I mean another. I think not brilliant game, but good game. Now Musa. We got the best and worst of him at times. Moose is someone who needs to have a little more consideration in possession. He needs to be a little more thoughtful about where he loses it and not losing it. He is dynamic. He's excited to take men on. He's excited to be progressive, which you love to see. But you can't turn the ball over as much as as he did at times. So I think there's there's give and take with him there. But the kid turned twenty. It was what is his birthday today? When is his birthday? Today or or yesterday? Um, um, yeah, it was. Let me see. I have it right here. 29th today 
today is his okay, he is today. literally 20 today so let's mm-hmm. i was going to say he's 19 but then someone's going to say he's 21 you know he's only 19 until he's 20 that's, that's how, how it works. works that's how yeah. it works um but but i mean yeah he's he's going to be um he's going to be special and and arsenal trained really really good i mean not to pat my back, my own back here, but I did highlight him as, as somebody to watch in this tournament. Yep. Um, unfortunately, the other player I mentioned is is going out, Moises Caicedo. But I, I just really love, like you said, that there needs to be a consideration about when to do the mazy dribbles and when to take on the extra man, you know, but that will come with experience and learning. I think this is a valuable skill. Being able to progress the ball through carries in midfield is valuable. And you look at Mateo Kovacic as someone who's one of the best in the business and and he can get it wrong sometimes. You know, there's days where he's losing the ball, falling over, but when you can get it right in the top level, when football is so heavily transition-based, you know, it's, it's, it's gold, it's gold dust. And I think alongside Tyler Adams, who's more of a defensive, energetic guy who's going to intercept and battle and McKenney who's more box to box having someone that can just relieve pressure like that is is so useful and you know you've spoken about Gio Reyna not getting into this team and and Aronson being on the edges of it but Moose has done everything he could really and you know Bearholter can't drop him like this um, I think the three in midfield have built a lovely uh, relationship with each other and and for me that's your superpower yeah, I I agree, and but so you can see why, right? Like I'd want to lean into that a little more. I I think understanding where the strength of your team is is really important. And Burhalter has shown a reluctance to use Gio Reyna. There's been a lot of pent up frustration over that, right? Um, I think Aronson is one of the best American players. I'd like to see him start. I don't know that we need to go with Sargent or Haji Wright. Like these are players that we don't necessarily need to be using. If you don't have a guy, and it's funny, right? Because with Germany, we're saying. Sometimes you just got to stick on the number nine, get full Krug on there, right? But he's an informed Bundesliga striker in the prime of his career. Josh Sargent's not that level. Haji Wright's not that level. And so I'd, I'd be inclined to maybe get one more of the really talented players on in you know, in place of that. Also, look, uh, Americans are insufferable. Not all of us, some of us. We want to see our team go out and score seven goals and play all the good players. And this is how I use the team on FIFA and all that nonsense, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you have to have some balance. This team has not lost yet. They've drawn against Wales in a game they probably should have won. They drew against England in a game they probably should have won. And they beat Iran in a game that I still think they they rightfully won. So for all of my complaining, Burhalter sent us through to the next round unbeaten, having been the equal at least of every team we've played so far, if not better, including England, although the England team I know had less, much, much less to play for, much less on the line. I'm not trying to compare the two. But so it, it is a positive thing. And I, I don't know whether we'll have Pulisic in the next round, but as you look ahead to, well, well, let's finish with this. Late in the game, there were a couple of calls that were nervy. Do you have any of them as pens? I don't have any of them as penalties, but I'm curious if you saw any of them that way. No, in real time, I thought uh, Carter Vickers was very lucky to get away with that on Taremi. But having seen the replays, it was um, very soft. And I think actually if Taremi tries to stay on his feet, he's got a better chance of scoring. So, Did his feet slip out from under him? Because the way he went he, down, he, it's hard to fake did, that fall. You know what I he mean? He did slip a bit, but yeah. I just thought he felt the contact and you know uh, was looking for something there. But overall, look, there was a lot of pressure being put on your goal. Turner came up with a couple of big claims. There were mm-hmm. a couple of big headers, Carter Vickers, Tim Ream, who I thought was excellent today as well. Um, 
we won't talk about how do you write not taking it to the corner flag. No, I was we, almost we will ready talk to th- about that. You know what? I mean, if you want to pull up and square it to your teammate, okay. If you want to open your body and get it on your stronger foot, you've got all day. I mean, I guess fine. If you want to take it to the corner flag, that would be ideal. A tame shot with your weak foot with the whole world Shocking. cup on the line. Shocking. It is, it's real bad. Real, real bad. He should <laughs> he should walk back to the team hotel tonight. <laughs> I mean, that I I I I have no affinity to the US national team and I was ready to throw something out of a window or at him or both. And it was just take it to the corner flag. How many times mm. have you, you know, you've, you've been watching football since you were five years old. Take it to the corner flag. I do want to say too, by the way, that the US and Iran have an interesting footballing history. I think, what tournament was it? Was it 98, I want to say, when Iran? Yes, 24 years out. ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Nin- 98, and, yeah. And it was with this a sort of big swirling political storm around it, um, a similar sort of thing happening a little bit with the flag kerfuffle that, that went on before this match. And um, what I want to say is that I think the game was played in a really nice spirit. I think that, that both teams really went for it. I don't think it was a dirty game. I think it was well officiated. I think it was um, just a really positive game of football between two teams that gave their all a U.S. team that banged on the door really hard in the first half and an Iran team that dug deep and and found, uh, you know, a real threat late. And and it was it made for an enjoyable game of football to watch if it weren't for the fact that it was so nerve-wracking. So I think all in all, though, if you set aside the, I wish he'd play a Geo Reyna or I wish we would attack more, my takeaway from the group stage is Moose is good. Adams is good. Uh, Adams, listen to me. You know, um, uh, um, uh, McKenny, thank you. Gosh, I'm going crazy. Uh, it's funny because I, I was looking at the lineup and I see T Adams on the screen and I'm like, do I have an old Arsenal? I, and I was like, immediately all I could think of was Tony Adams. So that's why I, I, I had a bit of a brain fart there. But Tyler Adams was good. Uh, Weston McKinney was good. Christian Pulisic, who has not been great at club level, I think has been really, really good. Um, so far, Serginho Dest, Robinson, a lot of players, I think, can can look at themselves. Matt Turner, obviously, been brilliant. Can look at themselves and feel really good about announcing themselves on this stage. And now, looking at a matchup against Louis Van Hal's Netherlands, the Netherlands team will be favorites. But Van Hal's never going to play the kind of football that's going to blow you away. So, how do you how do you view that matchup? I think you've got a chance. Uh, like you said, Van Hal can be very slow and stale if if you know if things aren't going right. You know, even today they won 2 0, and there was a lot of criticism in his post match press conference saying, you know, what was that? Another gag there was a lot of, Another one, which I'm sure we'll get onto, yeah. but um, it was just very sideways, very slow. I mean, they didn't need to, to do anything, and Qatar are horrible. Um, but, you know, we've seen it at Manchester United, it was similar. You know, when on the days it worked, it, it, it looked great, and then most of the time it didn't. So, um, and it didn't. It looked stale, it looked boring. And I, in general, I'm not overly convinced by the Netherlands, even if, like you said, they will be favorites. I mean, man to man, they are better than you. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But there, there's a way in for me there. And especially if you can bring a kind of physicality, level of intensity, you know, that's that for me is the way to match them physically and, and probably better them. Yeah, well, we'll see. I, I'll say it like this. It's not a matchup I'll expect to win, but it's a matchup that... I think will keep us in the game, at least is my presumption, 
given that um, I, I just don't see the Netherlands really being the type of team to to put anyone on their ass the, the way they play. So that game's on Saturday, December the 3rd. So we'll look forward to that, maybe do some build-up to that and some build-up to the England game as well. Uh, speaking of England, let's switch over there. I, I know the Senegal game was great, but we obviously have a lot of people listening who are like, enough already about the USA, get to the England game. I Look, I have no idea how to evaluate a game that really doesn't matter that much against opposition that has been pretty dreadful in this World Cup, if we're being honest about Wales. I mean, their two best players are well past it, and they didn't have much else to offer. But Southgate rung the changes. I, the more I think about the changes he he made, I think they are in view of going back to his other lineup for the knockout round. I think this is purely rotation for the most part. But then again, he did leave Kane in. He did leave Bellingham and Rice in. So we'll, we'll have to see about that. But the guy who's going to say, I did everything you could ask for in terms of earning a place in the starting lineup would be Marcus Rashford. He's the star with two goals. His free kick set piece goal is just sensationally well struck. He has another one where I think you got to look at the keeper a bit and the defending a bit. But Just a bit. My God, <laughs> Danny he Ward, terrible. he's hopeless. He, he's well, terrible. His, he just chucks goals in for fun. Is Rashford the story of the game for you? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, the first half was actually quite, you know, difficult to watch from an England standpoint because, again, it was very slow building through the thirds. I mean, Wales were not coming to play in any way. I mean, they just they just wanted to get in at halftime, nil-nil, with a semblance of a chance, you know, any kind of thing they could hang on to, they would they would have done it. And they did, but I just found you know, it folded on the right. I don't think he's as good as he is there on the left, which, you know, which showed in the second half. I thought Henderson was, was terrible on the ball. Really, really bad. He was just lumping it. Like every time he got it, he was just hooking it into space. And it was like, you don't need to do that. You're better than that. And, you know, what happens in the second half? Foden out to the left, Rashford out to the right. And within five minutes, you know, you could see that clearly Foden's more comfortable there drifting in. Rashford, um, a lot, you know, dangerous anywhere with his pace and, and ability to get in behind. And, and the quality was was just there. Um, I'm not going to be on Southgate's back about changes or playing conservative because I don't think it mattered ultimately. And, you know, he wasn't conservative. It was just Wales were playing very deep. Um but yeah, Rashford for sure is staking a claim for the next game, whether that's on the left ahead of Sterling or, you know, whether Saka's in trouble on the right, I'm not sure. But Did Foden you know, do the- enough, do you think, in the game to... I mean, it would seem to be a big call for Southgate after a whole cycle of going with Sterling and Saka to say, I'm going to change both flanks in the knockout round. That that feels like too much change to me. And to me, Sterling is the less informed player. But of course, that's what I would say. Do you think you'll see it? Similarly, I, I think Sterling is the the player who should be at risk, but Southgate likes who he likes, and Sterling has got credit in the bank for England. You know, especially during the Euros last year, he was one of the standout players, and I know so were Harry Maguire and, and Luke Shaw, but he's got credit in the bank. And for me, Foden is not an option for the right. He shouldn't be anyway. He's he's much more dangerous on the left. I mean, you can see with yeah. his goal. He's there at the back post, tapping in from a you know a brilliant cane cross. That's where he plays for City. That's where he should be in contention for England. So I think it's whether Southgate saw enough from Rashford on the right to say mm, maybe Saka, um, you've done nothing bad. 
you've done nothing majorly wrong, but I just think Rashford is the informed player here. So it depends. I don't think he will do it, but I don't think I could have too many complaints if he did. And, you know, I, I like Marcus Rashford. I think he's um, unfairly maligned or has been unfairly maligned for a long time. And, you know, uh, all the best for him to I, to come in I and see, show his worth. I see this narrative of like, well, first of all, there's just a stupid narrative of, oh, you know, we focused on football. Like, set, set that aside. Like, that just there's no place for that. I, there's no suggestion he wasn't ever focused on football. Like the idea that these guys can't have other things in their life. It just so happens the other thing in his life wasn't playing video games, which for most of these guys, let's be, let's be honest. They train for a couple hours. They work out for a couple hours. They sleep a ton and they play a lot of video games or they go out and party. So like you be the judge on how much you have to focus on your football. I mean, look at Ben white. We all love him and laugh at him. Guy doesn't care at all about football. He's not, couldn't be any less focused on football, except when it comes to training and playing the game. Um, but I, I find the narrative funny just that Rashford has resurrected his career full stop because do we have any evidence to suggest that Rashford stopped being good at football? Like he plays for one of the calamitous clubs in world football when it comes to just the chaos of how it's run. It's been a poorly run club playing poor football under poor managers for several seasons. And I don't think it's a surprise that players can get dragged down by that. Do you think Rashford ever stopped being good at football or that that narrative has just sort of blossomed at a time when he was at a club that's been going through it, <laughs> going through some things? You know? I mean, obviously he didn't just lose his football ability overnight, but there were spells where he just wasn't good enough. Yeah, um, He's been injured a lot. He had a persistent shoulder injury that kept him in and out of the side. And when he did play, he was kind of a ghost, particularly as he was being selected a lot through the middle. Um, finishing wasn't always convincing. And look, it's normal for the narrative to spin very quickly in football, particularly when you're playing for a big club, you know, yeah. that just brings criticism up to an, a, another level. Um, and I think some time away from the the limelight did him good. He looks fit. He looks sharp. And, you know, I, I really like him. I'm happy for him. And it just kind of echoes my sentiment towards the England squad that I've never really bothered or cared. And I still wouldn't consider myself a, a diehard fan, but I just like a lot of the lads in this team. Mm -hmm. um, and that's more than enough for me to to kind of feel on board. Just got to do something about that number nine fellow. Um, another position that would have had a lot of focus on it is Kyle Walker playing right back because Kieran Trippier has not necessarily been regarded as having a great tournament so far. Thoughts on Walker and, and his performance in that position looking ahead to Senegal? Did well. Yeah. I mean, he's very solid, isn't he? Um, I don't even now, what is he? 31, 32. I still wouldn't put any money on a winger beating him for pace. I mean, he's just absurdly, absurdly yep. quick. Um, you know, there were a couple of loose balls, but in, in general, he, he slotted in well alongside John Stones, got forward when he wanted to, to even tucked inside a couple of times. So I think he, he came in, performed really well after his injury and, you know, again, that's a little bit of a toss-up, but I think just purely for familiarity, I think he'll he'll stick with Kieran Trippier for the for the next game. Well, the next game will be against Senegal in the knockouts. We'll get to the Senegal game in a moment, but no Sadio Mane, right? His World Cup is fully, fully done. So I think there had been mm -hmm. some thought that he might appear in this World Cup. He will not now. That doesn't mean that they won't necessarily be a dangerous team. I think Senegal have been fun in this World Cup at times. Um it was a really exciting game that they played against Ecuador. Both teams played their part. I thought played their part well. So why don't we quickly touch on the Senegal-Ecuador game, and then we can get to um, 
we, we can get to the matchup with England. So what did you make of that game? It was a really good game. And it's a, it's a huge shame that one of these teams had to go out because I think they've both contributed to an exciting group stage. I just think when it mattered for Ecuador and there are some parallels to how Arsenal fell apart last season towards the end, I think the task, the objective seemed to dwarf a very young side. Um, yeah. They were kind of in the halfway house of knowing they had to avoid losing. And does that mean you sit back a bit? Does it mean you uh, you go forward and try and score? And the whole first half was just them doing either extreme and nothing in between. Um, and for me, Senegal were getting in a lot and they just didn't know how to manage the game. So it's a shame. I think they have a lot of talent, Ecuador. I mean, Caicedo, again, was really good today. Mm-hmm. Estupinian, another really good player. You know, it's 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 a shame, but I, I, Senegal picked their moments, you know, and they had the experience in the end to see it out, whether that's through Koulibaly, who scored the winner, whether that's Idrissa Gay, who's, you know, been been around, he's been here and done it. Um, and they had a few good cameos from Ismail Asar, Iliman Indai as well. So ultimately... I thought the Koulibaly they, winner was a, was really, really well taken, by the way. It's an but excellent finish. And nice Koulibaly finish. is very technically accomplished for a centre-half. So when you consider a team that's just lost their best player before, you know, a couple of days before the tournament, to be able to get through um, and show a real togetherness, I think there was a lot of... Um, good defending, you know, when they needed it as well, the seniority shone through. And, you know, I I, I really like the team. I like the manager, Ali say He just looks cool, like on the touchline in his tracksuit. I just have a lot of time for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're doing a great job. So that's the, you know, it was the, the first time an African team has got out of the group stages since 2014. So, so all the best to them. Absolutely. Well, not all the best to them. I'm guessing you don't mean that because they come up against England <laughs> in the next round. So I've made a liar of you just within seconds. Um, unless you'll be rooting for them, in, in which case I've made you unpopular in seconds. So really, it's your choice. Uh, it can be both. Do you have any early thoughts on England versus Senegal and where the where the edge might be for England other than all over the pitch? Look, I mean, uh, obviously England go in as, as favourites. I think Senegal will... They're very AFCON. And what I mean by that is that they're physical, fast, and kind of all action. They just don't stop ever. You know, there's always someone pressing and chasing. And, you know, as soon as they get the ball, the first thought is, where can I find Ismail Asar charging down that left-hand side? How can I get the ball as quickly to goal as possible? And I like that. It's very kind of chaotic at times but I think they have grown-ups where they need them. You know, in the spine of the team, Mendy in goal, Koulibaly at, at centre-back, Idrissa Gay in the middle. I think that's an incredibly strong spine. And then going forward, they've got talent sprinkled in. You know, actually, speaking of Kieran Trippier, I said he, he'd probably be playing. I'm not sure if Gareth Southgate is going to look at Ismail Asar and say, do I want raw pace going up against Kieran Trippier? Mm-hmm. I've just considered that, and that so might think, give Kyle Walker, Walker the edge. Yeah, is that, yeah, yeah that could that could well give Kyle, Kyle Walker the edge. And he wasn't given because, the ninety. Alexander Arnold did get to come on, and Walker was mm-hmm. was taken off. So maybe there's an eye toward that. Yeah, something to consider for sure. Because I mean, Ismail Asar, he's he's frustratingly inconsistent, but ultimately he made the difference today for Senegal in a, in an attacking sense. I mean, he won the penalty. 
I mean, it was a crazy challenge by Piero and Capier. I'm not sure what he was doing to to give that away, but slotted the penalty away. A no-look penalty, no less. Um, so fair play to him and his cojones for slotting that away with mm. his country's joy at stake. So yeah, maybe Carl Walker does come in uh, now that I think about it, but um, England are still favourites for me, although this team should never be underestimated and tournament football is the biggest banana skin you will find. So no underestimating Senegal, please, Southgate and Co. I should let you know, as the brackets are laid out, the USA can face England in the World Cup final. So <laughs> I'm not saying it definitely will happen, but I'm saying right now, if you had to, to choose the two to face each other in the final, England-USA would be one of the most likely outcomes based on the the teams that we know that are in the knockout rounds. And oh, clearly. So, yeah, yeah, very, very good news there. Um, let's look ahead to tomorrow. We don't need to talk Netherlands-Qatar. Right, well, do you want to talk Netherlands-Qatar? I mean, Cody Gakpo gets a goal. No, I mean, yeah, just uh, Gakpo is the main talking point. That's three and three now, mm-hmm. you know, and it's been a... Uh, he added a right-footed goal today to his other two, which were scored with his head and his left foot. So it's a perfect group perfect stage mm-hmm. hat trick. Yeah, I mean, the the hype is very overblown for me at the moment I think he's a talented player but I think there are some major flaws in his overall game that people are just kind of overlooking at the moment but if it means that someone's going to spend you know 60 70 80 million on him and maybe overlook those then I'm not going to complain but he's a talent for sure and he's been the only one looking like he can do anything for for the Netherlands in an attacking sense we did a scouting video of him on the Patreon side I really liked him this actually goes back I think to last January um, rough edges for sure, but the raw talent is unmistakable. So we turn our attentions to tomorrow. And, well, Poland-Argentina is the one that it's going to be hard to look past. That goes on opposite Saudi Arabia-Mexico, though. So mm-hmm. uh, I believe all of these games, bo- both of those games matter and matter quite a lot. So uh, let me just reset for you what we have there. Poland topped the group with four points, Argentina on three, Saudi Arabia on three, and Mexico on one. Saudi Arabia, if they can hand Mexico a heavy defeat, could theoretically you know, go through regardless of an Argentina win, although it would be unlikely. They have a, a minus one goal difference versus Argentina's plus one. Argentina cannot... Well, I say they can... Let me rephrase. Argentina could theoretically go through with a draw, a win virtually guarantees them a chance. Mexico still alive if Argentina uh, lose. So there's no team that's out, but it sure looks like Argentina has to play this game to win to feel confident. Um, so how do you see that group shaping out? And is that Argentina-Poland game going to be a good one? I think that's the one everyone's going to be watching because ultimately whatever happens, it's a talking point, right? Either Argentina and Messi crash out and everything's a disaster and he's a fraud and he can't touch Maradona and et cetera, et cetera. Or they're through and it's, you know, one step closer to the all important World Cup trophy that he he lacks. Um I would be amazed. I would be amazed if Argentina can't get up for this game. I mean, if they can't, then what's the point? Really, what's the point? I could see um, a four nil nil draw and they still get through because Mexico does them a favor against Saudi Arabia. I could I see think that. for sure it's gonna be a difficult watch. I think Argentina in general have been a difficult watch. Yeah. And I don't think Poland have been any better. Yeah. So I think it's gonna be very nervy, very cagey, because for both teams there's a lot on the line. 
I mean, I would I would be silly to go against Messi because when you need him to, he often does step up. But I just don't know. I don't know how to judge this Argentina team. I really don't. I think they're so messy and disjointed. And even with their win in the last game, I, I'm not convinced by them at all. So it's going to be a really interesting game. I think it's just going to be one that Messi either takes by the scruff of the neck or somebody has a moment of individual brilliance because it's a game for me where not a lot of chances are going to be given away. Yeah, I I, I certainly agree with that. I I just about expect Argentina to go through, but there's no there's no result in those two games that would shock me. Uh, over in Group D, the other group we have going, France are already through for all intents and purposes, mm-hmm. top of the group. It would be nearly impossible for that not to be the case. But... With Australia on three, Denmark on one, and Tunisia on one, none of those other teams are actually eliminated yet. Mm-hmm. So Denmark plays Australia. A win, I, I think, assures them of going through, unless you think Tunisia are going to do something against France. But um, I, I, let's rule out the possibility that Tunisia does anything against France that would change the way that plays out. Denmark, uh, uh, a, I want to say a dark horse, but... It's hard to be a dark horse when they were really, really very good in the Euros. Like, just a team that was expected to do well has not lived up to the expectation. Um, They can still salvage this tournament and be in the knockout rounds by beating Australia, and I still think they have the talent to do it. So that's that's the mission. Do you see Denmark winning and and ultimately going through and putting the what's a pretty lumpy group stage behind them? Yeah, I mean, they have underwhelmed, and I've, you know, I've made that, clear from my side I just think they've lacked a lot of what made them good at the Euros whether that's you know down to personal to personnel being older I don't know if they're carrying some knocks I'm, I'm really not sure but I just haven't seen the kind of vibrancy attacking intent um you know just a, a desire kind of it seems very cliche and intangible but I, I saw a team that was really banded together and, and I'm not sure if that's down to what happened with Christian Eriksen and playing a couple of games at home which really sparked them on in the Euros but mm. in terms of Australia they're a much better team you know man for man they're a much better team than Australia and I and I would expect them to win I think they should win and I think any other result will be a disappointment but you never know. Australia have something to cling on to. They needed a monstrous defensive performance from Harry Sutar last time to get past Tunisia. So whether they can do it again, I'm not sure because I don't think they have much else, <laughs> unfortunately, for Australia. But you know, if if I'm going to put my um, my eggs in a basket, it's going to be a Danish one. So I think they they will rise to the occasion and hopefully, hopefully, prove me wrong. Are the Danes known for their baskets? They're known for their pastries. <laughs> but they are. But I, it's literally called I'm sure th- a Danish. I, I'm, sure th- I'm sure there are some some basket weavers in, in Denmark who can reach out. Maybe there's a new sponsorship opportunity. Mm, who go. knows? Get in touch. Who knows? Get in touch. Get in God touch. Every, I can always do with a basket. basket. Yeah, everyone yeah. could use a basket. All right, well, I think we should put this in a basket and carry it out to all our listeners one at a time. So uh, it should take us at least 10 or 15 deliveries. Phil, uh, I appreciate it. We'll look forward to another fun day tomorrow. Um, you are going to be joined by Tim tomorrow, I believe. So another fun podcast that will not include me. Probably less sex advice than the last time I was not on. <laughs> uh, but maybe more football knowledge. So it, it all balances out. What goes around comes around. Sound good? Look, this, this podcast, if that's not value for money, then what is? I mean, 
I mean, it's literally free, uh, which is why it continues to deliver value for money. Uh, good, good. I'm glad we've left it there. All right. It's Bill's a Patreon sign up. It's a Patreon sign up. Get this is yeah. what you need in your life. Get you know, get more, into more the sex Patreon. talk, more ball knowledge. <laughs> we we put all the really good stuff there. This nonsense. This is just the free stuff. No, uh, we, we're thankful for you for being here wherever you choose to listen. And Phil, we are thankful for you. You can find Phil on Twitter at underscore Phil Costa. Thank you, Phil Costa. Thank you very much. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. I definitely recommend it. You wouldn't want more of my nonsense uh, opinions, and they are there in numbers. So definitely block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. We love you. For the love of God, we will talk to you after your country 10 on the country note.